0: Live from the Old Church Concert Hall in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. It took five women two hours and 45 minutes to help me dress in my wedding kimono. All five had flown in from Japan, and all were relatives of the groom. I had met them before on my trips to Japan, and I loved them already. It didn't matter that they didn't speak English very well, and I certainly didn't speak Japanese very well. But somehow, in that small room there with my mom and my sisters, cousins from both sides coming in and out, good friends, really, we found a way to communicate. We connected, and most of all, we laughed. We had such a good time. Really, in those hours, it was the most calm and, dare I say, happy of that day. As I walked carefully in my zori slippers and held that heavy kimono walking into the church, I had just a few moments by myself, and my emotions started to shift. I felt a little panicky, excited, fear, but I quickly put those negative thoughts to rest, and I started saying my mantra, this one that I had created over the last few years, like, relationships are difficult, marriage is hard, but it's worth it. You can do this." Now that dichotomy of emotions didn't just happen in that moment, right? Or that day. It was the entire relationship. I think it's fair to ask, well, then how would one be in a relationship if it were so up and down? And certainly, how would you get married? Well, almost 10 years later, lots of therapy. Multiple layers of reasons. However, at that specific time, I could name two that probably colored some of my decision making. One, I had just turned 30, and while I was content in my friendships and my career choice and my connections with my family, I had absolutely failed in romantic relationships. And I was really taking inventory about what I wanted in life. I also had gone to the doctor for a big checkup and I was told if you want children you need to start doing that now like last month. So I was in this place and somehow I had convinced myself that the only reason that I had not attained what my what I ultimately wanted which was a long-term happy loving stable relationship to start a family in was that I was a commitment phobe. This was my issue. So, I don't think I was thinking any of these things when I met my coworker, Tom. Now, I was transitioning to a different department and busy and stressed, Um, but we had perfunctionary hellos and how are you, and he was always cheerful, and then I noticed kind of a switch, and he was down. So, I went to his office and found out that His girlfriend had just broken up with him, and he was a little bit older, and I obviously could identify with the horrors of relationships. And we decided that we were going to go to brunch, and this is how our friendship began. So we absolutely commiserated in how difficult relationships were. And each time we met up and each time we had phone chats, we kind of unpeeled layers and layers. At first it was easy, you make fun of what jerks they were. But then, you know, we talked about our failures and our own flaws. We peeled away some more and talked about our fears and the things that might be stopping us. We peeled away more layers and talked about our childhood traumas or the hurts that we carried with us. And ultimately, we were so vulnerable with each other, we got to this moment where we are like, well, could we maybe date? And we kind of made a decision, like, yes, we could. And it was unspoken right away that this was a commitment. And if we were going to do it, we were going all in. And so despite the fact that we'd spent lots of time together, that first date felt heavy, intense. We sat down at the restaurant, and of course, you're like, what do I need to know if I'm going to marry and have babies with this person? So we talked about high school, and then he asked... Do you do, have you ever done drugs? And I was like, no, I've never done a hard, hard drug. However, I had this time in high school. I did smoke a lot of pop for a little bit. And you would have thought I sucker punched him. I mean, his look just changed. And he pulled out his wallet, and he threw money on the table, and he walked out. And I was dumbfounded, like, what the hell? And I didn't chase him, but we had walked to the restaurant, and I caught up to him. And I'm like, are you really mad about something that I did in high school? And he wouldn't talk to me. And I was very aggressive, like, dude, we have clearly talked about our own issues, but that is a big issue. And I got into my car, and he might as well have been waving a big red flag. And I drove away like, that guy has some issues. I don't know if it was days or weeks, but... The moment I responded back to those multiple texts and phone calls, the moment I rationalized that behavior, started our immediate dysfunctional dance. And as we perfected our dance, I fell in love with his family. I loved his big, large, traditional family. Lots of brothers, aunts, uncles. I loved everything about them. And man, I loved his mom. I can't tell you what it was, but from the first moment that she said hello and poured me tea, we chit-chatted and giggled, and we found out we had the same birth date, and we were like, this is a sign. It's meant to be. (laughs) Maybe red flag? (laughs) Meant to be. And as I started to get to know his family, I became more active in the family. So I would go to birthdays, holidays, those sort of things, but as we continued to date, we, um, I started going to lots of the more um, special events, the more traditional events, and I really got involved not only with the family but the religion that they were actively part of. And while his family became just as comfortable as my own, we began what can only be called an emotionally abusive relationship. I wouldn't have called it that then because I didn't identify. It was like it never became violent, um, and we always fought about such stupid, benign, ridiculous things. I mean, we went to poker, and we would play there for hours with friends, and we would hug everybody, goodbye, see you next time. And i would like, yeah, we had a good time. We'd sit down, and his voice would lower, and he would say, why did you make that comment? And refer to something that had happened hours before. Red flag. I took him to a holiday party at one of my old work events, and I used to work in a bar and a restaurant. And um, the manager, who I'd known since I was a teenager, opened the door, and he happened to be Japanese, and so was his best friend giving the party, and they were delighted that there was Tom, Japanese Tom, and they took him in, and they were drinking, and we were having a good time, and I thought in that moment, oh, look at my old life with my new life. Isn't this great? We left, he had had lots of drinks, and when I went to drop him off at home, he slowly looked at me, and, drunk, but in that tone, you should have known that I wanted to leave. You should have known that I was uncomfortable. Red flag. Each time I responded in either one of two ways. I either would cry, because I was just like dumbfounded, and I felt so bad, like how does this keep happening? Or I would respond in absolute rage and tell him what an insecure piece of shit he was. And I mean, it was either of those. Nothing in between. So when those things happened, I would ignore the text and the phone calls. But my mind would race to those images of my failed relationships. And now I had pictures of cute biracial babies and how cool with our awesome families. I also thought about everybody who was in a long-term relationship told me. Relationships are hard. It takes work. I would say, I can do this. Sometimes when I would go weeks without responding, I'd get a phone call from his mom. Or sometimes she would show up at my door with a tray of homemade Japanese goods and bow and say, I'm so sorry, if I were a better mother, he would be a better boyfriend, maybe red flag. (laughs) You know, somehow I kept going and as the wedding got closer, my body was giving me signs. I started losing hair a lot. I was feeling anxious and somehow I convinced myself, it's those damn hormones, look what's happening. But five days before the wedding, I found enough courage and I had Tom come over and I said, what are we doing? We've let this go too far. I know that we wanted the same thing, but I don't even think this is about love or commitment. Like, I don't even think I like you. Like, you don't like me. You definitely don't like me. You are such a dick. I mean, and I said that, like, I was, was, you know, and his first response was like shock that I would say this, and I felt like we were both going to be relieved. apologized and said "I, I didn't know how hard I was being on you and then what about all the people and I just got up and I cried and I went into my room and I locked the door and for hours I just cried and I was so ashamed of the this situation and felt overwhelmed and as I cried he sat outside my door for those hours and reminded me that I had a commitment issue remember you promised you weren't gonna give up don't you remember Everybody gets cold feet. So the wedding took place, and just like everything else, there were highs and lows. My dad was so happy to walk me down the aisle. His brothers and cousins did this skit, and I remember being filled with so much joy, and it was such a good time. And I thought, how lucky that I get to be in this family. And yet, when I got to the hotel, I washed off my face, and I cried of fear, like, did I just make the worst decision of my life? And I stopped, and I was just like this, and I said, Stephanie, this is no longer a choice. You got married, and marriage is a commitment, and you know it's gonna be hard, so just, you can do this. And I really believed that. I naively did not think that things would get worse. One year, and about nine months in, which is 650 days, We fought almost every single one of them until one day over something benign. It was like a visceral feeling. I was so enraged at my life, at this relationship that we were fighting again over something stupid and there we were in our big, beautiful, new McMansion home. And I didn't know, I mean, literally it was coming out of me and I walked down the hall and I punched the wall in the laundry room. I've never done anything like that. And he came charging in, and I braced myself. I thought he was gonna hit me. And he stopped right in front of my face and said in a calm voice, don't you ever disrespect my home like that. I trembled, but I did the only thing that I knew that I could, and I grabbed his finger and I twisted as hard as I could and backed him up against the door. And I said, let me be clear, if you hit me once, I will fucking kill you. And I meant it. I meant it, but it's like he knew I meant it. And as he kind of relaxed and walked away, he said, you crazy fucking bitch. And I thought, maybe I am. Right then, something broke. I broke. We started from this place of family and commitments and children. And the most selfless thing I could do in that moment was to never have children and bring them into that situation. And I felt really good about that and I left the home. Obviously, things unraveled quickly, and I left for two days, and only in typical Stephanie and Tom fashion did we end this marriage on a high, because I moved back into that house, and for months, we lived there, and we didn't fight a day. There was tensions, but honestly, we woke up making coffee today. I mean, we split everything 50-50 down to the rings on our finger, and the day that it was finally time to assign the last papers we went to lunch and we talked and we chatted and it was good just like we were supposed to be friends i hate that this is my story it is my sorry greatest shame i hate that i disappointed and hurt people who love me, and I love them. Sorry. I hate that that I made marriage such an ugly experience, and I really hated, most of all, that I didn't listen to my own gut, that I knew what was happening. This was wrong. But, in my greatest shame, I learned the most valuable lessons that I use every day, 10 days later every day. I listen to my gut in everything. Every relationship, every work environment, everything. If I don't feel it, I'm done. I back away politely and I invest nothing or as much as I'm comfortable with. Two, my family of origin and the family that I created with friends are always going to accept me and love me for everything. And in that family, I have been blessed with Nine niece and nephews, one on the way, four bonus niece and nephews, and lots of what I call godchildren. And whatever maternal instinct is driven into those kids, and that is enough, and I love it. And finally, what I've learned, and I leave this with you, never, ever, ever ignore the goddamn waving red flags. (laughs)